1: You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton Derosier. It's a grand slam. Adele. episode number 195 of the Red Seat Podcast. Uh, this is Matt Collins. I'm going to be doing the hosting duties today. And for the second week in a row, it is me and it is Jake Devereaux. Except the roles are switched this time around. Jake, what's going on? How was your
0: holiday? Holiday was good. Um, you know, uh, kind of low-key, uh, like I think most people's holidays were. Just did it at my house, uh, me, and my wife, and my dog. So, yeah, it was good. It, it's always good. We watched a ton of Christmas movies, uh, Muppet Christmas Carol, Die Hard, The Santa Claus, um, Year Without a Santa Claus. We kind of like went through the gamut. Uh, Rudolph, I mean, we, we kind of binged on some some Christmas movies and ate some spaghetti and meatballs. So it was a pretty good day. Nice. You ever thought of Santa Claus? It's
1: definitely the top claymation Christmas movie.
0: Hundred percent, yeah. That's the heat Miser it's, one, right? Yes, of oh, course. Yeah. I I actually have a uh, a little like uh, doll of the um, of Snow Miser, which comes out every year on on uh, Christmas season. So it's kind of kind of cool. Big fan of that movie. Nice, yeah, that is a good one.
1: Uh, well, so since the last time we spoke last week. The Red Sox actually did make a move at the absolute most inconvenient time for me personally, Uh, but they did make a move right before Christmas. I think it was the 23rd. Uh, They signed Matt Andresi to a one-year deal with an option for a second year. Contract terms are a little convoluted, I think. Uh, Base salary for next year is 1.85. Option is 3.5. There's a quarter million dollar buyout and then there's a bunch of escalators based on innings total that can bring the total value of the deal up to seven point three five million i really don't feel like getting into the specifics of all of those escalators and everything Um, i will say it maxes out at 115 innings but just overall broad looking looking at it broadly um, like the deal don't like it don't really care either way
0: um, I think it's fine, but I, I think it's very limited upside um, from what you're going to get out of Matt and Drizy. Um I was digging into his profile a little bit before we came on the podcast to see what type of a pitcher he is these days and, and what kind of pitches he's been throwing. He's, he's bumped back and forth between being a starter and being a reliever. Um, most recently, he was mostly a reliever and um this past year in 2020 is the first year he's ever thrown more changeups than he has four seam fastballs that's been the dominant two pitch mix for him uh, throughout his career has been those two pitches and he's mixed in a curve at different times um he's he's usually right around 12ish percent uh throwing the curveball um it's not a good pitch for him it was a much better pitch last year in a small sample size, but over, um, the course of his career, it hasn't been a great pitch for him. The four seam and the changeup have been pretty good pitches. Um, but they're not great. You know, they're not amazing pitches. Um, and, and the fact that he is a two pitch guy just makes me a little bit concerned for, um, his viability as a starting pitcher. So I think he's fine. Um, He's kind of been a four-and-a-half-ish ERA pitcher uh, throughout his career. Uh, he's actually been a little bit better uh, as a starter than he has as a reliever. However, last year he did have a really good uh, deserved ERA of 2.95. So um, I don't know whether that was more small sample size noise or, or whether there is something to him pitching off the changeup um, that, that kind of clicked with him, but overall I'm, I'm not... Expecting a ton and I think if Matt Andreese or Matt Andrisi is um, starting for you for a lot of games next year, it's probably not a good thing.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's really hard to judge these moves and Renfro fits here too. It's just it would be so much easier if the offseason moved like more linear more linearly. Like the NBA sort of does. Um, I don't know if the NFL does, but like if the top guy signed and then the lower level guy signed, so I could know what the plan was for Matt Entrezin. Yeah, because like if he's the sixth starter, um, that's fine. I can live with that. As if he's like playing the 2018 Brian Johnson Hector Velazquez role. Um, yeah, I I think you would probably you're probably not going to do a whole lot better than that um, for that kind of role right now um on roster resource on fan graphs, he's projected as the number 4 starter. Uh that is absolutely terrifying. I certainly don't expect that <laughs> to be the case. I think we all expect more pitchers to be added, but it's just sort of these adding these role players. It's not a bad thing. I'm certainly not mad at the team for doing it in the order of the things. Like this is just how the way this is just the way things have fallen this winter and that's it is what it is, but it's just frustrating as someone trying to figure out how to analyze it um but yeah i mean as far as injuries, he's a pitcher he's just he's basically the exact definition of he is who he is um yeah he misses bats at a decent rate um his control is a little bit worse than average but right around average he gets hit pretty hard um he's gonna give up some home runs but all in all he's a little bit he's been a little bit worse than league average his era minus has been between 104 and 107 in all but one of his seasons in the majors Mm. i mean that's just you know what you're getting and there's some value in that i guess especially this year when i mean teams are gonna need these sort of swing man bolt guys i've talked about this a bunch already this offseason it's just coming off a shortened season pitchers are going to be dealing with the weird schedule they never had to deal with before. And we don't even know that's without even knowing what's going to happen with spring this year and when the season's going to start. So you're going to need these guys to kind of pick up some extra starts along the way. I wouldn't be surprised to see a six fan rotation from the Red Sox for periods of the season where there's not a lot of days off. Um, pitchers are going to get knocked out early in games. Pitchers are going to get little injuries that put them on the DL for a couple weeks or IL now. Um, so I mean, you need guys like this. It's not exciting, like I said. If this is if he is your number four starter on opening day, um, the Red Sox deserve all the criticism in the world. But I just that's not the expectation.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, and I think you're you hit on a really good point there that this might portend um, their plans to run with that six man rotation uh, for different times during the year. And I think this move in conjunction with the Whitlock move. Um, from the Rule Five draft, uh, maybe signals that even a little bit more that they are going to be looking for more of these long man types that can step into that that sixth starter spot or fill in for injured players. I, I think we're going to see a lot of churn in the rotation this year, regardless of you know how many other guys they sign. I think I think it, there's a pretty likely chance that we see. Well over ten different guys uh, within that rotation. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets close to fifteen guys uh, in that rotation over the course of the entire year. I hope it doesn't get that high, but um, you know, I think ten is fairly realistic to see at different points.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially if they're throwing out bullpen games and openers and things like that. Um, I mean, part of that depends on. Obviously, how long the season is—that's still a little bit up in the air. But it, I mean, I think most of us are assuming that they're at least going to play like 130, 120 games, something like that, at the low end. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're definitely going to need a lot of starters for the reasons I mentioned. And then also, even in a normal season, I mean, this Red Sox rotation, as it stands, has so many question marks just health-wise with Evaldi and Rodriguez at the top. Tanner Houck hasn't thrown a lot of innings over his career. You get probably gonna Sale coming back a little bit. Yeah, Sale, we have. Hopefully he comes back and everything's fine, but, I mean, those long-term injuries, even a little setback is pretty normal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're going to need all the depth. I think I think the Whitlock part of this is pretty interesting. Just what this means for him. Do you think this has any effect on his likelihood
0: or potentially lack thereof of sticking on the roster? You know, I, I kind of don't think so. Um, I, I think that... They will, like we m- mentioned, I mean, there's so many ways that they can go through all of these guys. And also, I think there's a real willingness for this team to option Tanner Houck. I don't think that his, you know, spot in the rotation is set. I, I think that there's a good chance he could spend a good chunk of the season uh, in Worcester continuing to work on things. Um, so as good as he's been, I, I just think that they will be able to keep those two guys on the roster. Uh, And I don't think it will be all that hard. And, you know, considering the nightmare we saw last year, um, it's easy to kind of see why we feel that way. I don't know that I agree. I
1: think, I don't think, I'm not saying I don't think he'll stick. I think there's still a decent chance, but I, I think a lot of it comes down to what, Again, I mean, this is, the MLB is driving me absolutely insane with not nailing down any rules whatsoever as we're approaching the new year. Uh, we have no idea what the roster size is going to be. Um, yeah. And I think that's going to play a big role. I mean, I guess, how many... I, I mean, I know you assume they're going to add some starting pitching help. How many new additions that aren't currently on the roster do you think will be in the rotation to start the year? Assuming everyone's healthy.
0: Um... Two.
1: I think two still. That's what I thought, too. So that would push Andresi into the bullpen, assuming a five-man rotation. It would also push Pavetta into the bullpen, uh, because Pavetta doesn't have any options. So all of a sudden, you're potentially looking at a bullpen with Andresi, Pavetta, and Whitlock. That's not impossible to carry, and I mean, there's going to be injuries in spring training that clears some of this stuff up, but just... There's a scenario where all of a sudden you have a roster crunch with three of these sort of swingman types, where you're also trying to have a bullpen with Matt Barnes, Brazier, Hernandez, Taylor, Bryce Brewer, and I mean presumably one or two additions there as well. So I mean there is, I think, a little bit of a roster crunch there. Again, I think, I think they probably like Whitlock enough where they could make it work, but then I think Pavetta's probably the odd man out.
0: I think they're much more likely to option Hauk than they are to... Push I'm not even... I'm assuming Andresi Hauk is and optioned. Well, if Hauk is optioned, then one of C and Pavetta would get pushed to the... Bullpen. Oh, yeah, that's... to the rotation. You're right. Yeah. I forgot Hauk was in that. Yeah, yep. I
1: guess that does make it a little bit easier. Yeah. I guess I was... uh.
0: I I kind of biffed on that one. (laughs) (laughs) I will admit that. Yeah, so that does make it a
1: little bit easier.
0: Especially with the question marks that Erod and Sale have. um, You know, that Sale with his timeline, Erod with his health. Not to mention with the health issues. Yeah, so. um, Yeah, it it feels to me like Andresi would be the guy to go to the pen over Pavetta too. I, I think they want to see what Pavetta has.
1: Man. Yeah, Pavetta's probably in the opening day rotation, huh?
0: I think he's pretty much a lock.
1: That stinks. <laughs> yeah, man, it's not good. That stinks so much. <laughs> that like legitimately it didn't ruin my night, but that uh that put a little damper in my mindset right now. Alright, let's yeah. move let's move away from those thoughts. Uh what do you think so you think Idrisi starts in the bullpen? I think we both kind of agree. That he's probably going to bounce back and forth and do that sort of Brian Johnson Hector Velasquez thing, right? Yep. Do you think he's going to hit that 150?
0: I don't. Let's I assume think 162
1: he'd... games because the option would uh, those would proportion be proportional to however many games they play.
0: Yeah, I kind of I view him as more of like a 120 140 uh, at the high end. I think 150 is just tough to hit with the uncertainty that we just kind of lined up uh, for him. 150 is tough to hit these days, even for guys who have a rotation spot locked in for the entire year with health and all these other questions going on. So I just think it's going to be a really difficult mark.
1: Yeah, I think I agree. Um, I don't think... I mean, I think the path is just... Avaldi goes down in April, Rodriguez can't. And or Rodriguez can't pitch as a starting pitcher this year for stamina reasons. Um, and all of a sudden, he has to make 30 starts, um, and he stays healthy all year. So the chances of that probably aren't huge, but I mean, I think there's a path. There's a non-zero chance, I think.
0: Yeah, the other thing, too, though, is just that Andresi's inning totals over the last three years have been 32 innings, 70 innings, 78 innings. He's not gone more than 127 ever in his career
1: yeah um i don't i'm not particularly worried about that he's done i mean he's done 150 innings in the minors so he's done it it's been a little while 2014 he threw 162 2012 he threw 146 um 2016 he did get to 150 when you include six stars at triple a so i mean he's done it yeah i think the i think the um barrier would be more just opportunity than him not being able to do it yeah uh but yeah so that's that's man and um like i said to you before we started recording i literally have not done very much research on Entreci because he signed right before I took my little mini vacation. Um, so I don't really have anything else to say on him. Uh, you have any parting thoughts before we move on? It's a pretty changeup. That's uh, that's it. I do. I like a good changeup. I think. Yeah. A good changeup is just good, fun baseball. It's a good pitch. All right. So Entreci is the only guy the Red Sox have actually signed, but we've gotten news or reports of them being runners up. On a handful of free agents, Uh, Charlie Morton, Tommy Conley. Am I saying his name right? Tommy Conley? I don't think so. Uh, Kohei Arihara, who just signed with the Rangers. I should say Morton signed with the Braves, right? Yeah. That was a while ago. Signed with the Braves. Conley signed with the Dodgers. Arihara signed with the Rangers. And uh, Ha-Sung Kim uh, signed with the Padres just earlier this afternoon when we were recording this Monday night. Um, Mere hours after I wrote an article about him for the Red Sox. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so the Red Sox did not sign any of those guys, but they were at least involved. Uh, they've been reported as runners-up on pretty much all of those guys. Um, what do you make of those players and like what they say about the Red Sox are targeting?
0: Um, well, just looking at the pitchers alone, I think what it says is the Red Sox are looking for innings, inexperienced innings. Uh, in Morton and Arihara, I think they're guys that – um, provide some upside, um, some innings, quality innings, um, but aren't going to be super long-term commitments. And I think that's what this year is going to be about uh, for the Red Sox with when it comes to starting pitching. I don't think we're going to see that huge multi-year commitment. I think the Red Sox want to kind of see what they have this year um and, and test out some of those guys in, in conley i think it it shows that they are looking for a back-end uh bullpen option not necessarily a closer but a high leverage guy and cora already talked about this in his press press conference uh, recently the need for someone else to be back there with matt barnes taking some of those High leverage uh, situations. Matt, Matt Barnes can't face the heart of the order every time. We've seen the toll that that takes on him uh, in that role. And then, as far as Kim, I just think that there was. I kind of. I feel like most teams um, should have been in on Kim because the potential of the player and his ability to play multiple. Um, Key middle infield positions in his projections were really favorable, like twenty twenty guy with a good hit tool, um, who's twenty five years old. I mean, any team would be kind of foolish not to look at that. And I think that if the Red Sox had signed Kim, my idea is that they could play him at second base and look to use Jeter Downs to improve the team elsewhere in a trade and kind of seal up that position. But, but clearly they just um, weren't willing to go. Uh, as far as it takes money-wise to get these guys.
1: Yeah, I wonder. The Kim one I think is interesting. I think that one makes the most sense for the reasons you said. I don't know that there's many teams in baseball that it wouldn't make sense for, given his age and the upside and all that. Um, I thought that the biggest uh, roadblock for that for the Red Sox was going to be that he would want to go to a team... That would play him at shortstop and that he'd want to go and that a team that would play him pay, uh would play him at shortstop would pay him more than a team like the Red Sox who would play him at second base just because of the value differences at those positions. Um but he went to the Padres, who have Fernando Tatis Jr. at shortstop, so he's <laughs> gonna be playing second base there. So that, that theory went out the window. Um I wonder how much of it goes to him rather he would rather play In San Diego, um, A, because they're better, B, because they're younger, C, because they're on the West Coast, and um, obviously, California is closer to Korea, much closer than Massachusetts is. Um, So, I don't know. It might have just come down to the money. Um, As for the other guys, the pitchers, I think, personally, it just seems like they're probably looking at everybody, because there really isn't a pitcher that isn't a good fit um the Conley one for what he's not pitching this year so i thought that was an interesting target for them as because he got the two-year deal he's he just had tommy john um so that's really a 2022 signing i thought that was interesting just in terms of a little creativity and something that i always want the red sox to do there's always like one guy that i really like like that so i'm glad that they're at least thinking like that but um I think they're just kind of looking at every picture, and these are the ones that just kind of got out there as far as public knowledge.
0: I wonder how much Tommy Conley squats. Have you ever seen his quads? Oh, the man's got a beautiful behind. Yeah, it's it's really unbelievable.
1: Uh, the other thing about this... It's super weird to me that we know all of this. Especially, the Conley one is the one that really sticks out to me. Um... I really want to know who's leaking this. Like, who's <laughs> leaking the We Tried reports with Tommy Conley?
0: And I like Tommy Conley,
1: but that is, like, the thing that we hear about, like, Garrett Cole and things yeah. like that. It's very strange to me that that's being reported. Um, not that it's um, the reporter's fault for reporting it. I'm just I'm dying to know who reported that. It had to have been the team. I don't know why an agent would, like, what an agent has to benefit from that um it just what do they think they're accomplishing it's just i'm not even mad i'm more just curious it's just a very strange thing to me i've been thinking about this a lot since that report first came out about them being second in line for tommy
0: kama it just seems very self-conscious you know i think that the the ownership is extremely self-conscious um, because of the perception of how the team performed trading mookie betts um, bringing back Alex Cora is even seen as somewhat controversial there's a lot of reasons right now that I think the general Red Sox fan is down on the team and what they've done so I feel like we're bound to see something happen and I think they're just like being like okay guys wait for it just wait we're, we're interested like we're here you know we're we're in the waters guys just wait I feel like they want to show people that they're they're engaged yeah, that's
1: probably right. I don't really know how effective that is, especially with well, I guess the Patriots aren't really doing anything these days. The Celtics did just start. I just I don't know how uh I I, I don't really see how Tommy Conley <laughs> moves the needle in that respect, <laughs> as far as we're trying to do something. Charlie Morton I can see a little bit. Even yeah. uh, Arihara a little bit, although that one wasn't really reported that heavily. Kim I think would've been exciting. Uh, It's really just the Tommy Conley one that is just really making me very confused. Yep. I agree. Uh, So like I said, Kim signed earlier this afternoon and we're recording on Monday. Uh, The other big free agent coming over from Asia is uh, Tomoyuki Sugano. Um, He is a pitcher coming over from Japan. One of the best, pitchers in Japan over the last few years. Um, he is a little bit older than Kim. He's 31. Uh, but the Red Sox have been connected to him as well. Um, fits along the same lines of them kicking the tires basically on every pitcher that's available, which makes all the sense in the world. Um, I think there's a pretty good argument that Sagano is the second best free agent pitcher. Maybe the best free agent pitcher out there, depending on how you feel about Tom, uh, Tommy Bauer. Trevor Bauer. Too much Tommy Conley talk on this podcast. <laughs> uh, Trevor Bauer. Uh, but Sugano, I think, is probably one of the top two guys. Um, he has to sign, I believe, the deadline for him is New Year's. Um, okay. I might be wrong about that. If it's not Friday, it's within a few days of that. I thought
0: it was January 2nd for some reason. Yeah, that could be. Could be mistaken. Et
1: cetera. It's sometime within the next week or so. Um, so that news should come down soon. How are you feeling on this one? Like what percent chance do you think? Just obviously this is just pulling a number out of your ass, but
0: Yeah. Um so I think the percentage chance the Red Sox sign him is like less than ten percent, just because uh it doesn't seem like they've been super willing to go the distance with a lot of these other guys and maybe that's just more of an indictment on the guys who have signed so far. Um I'm just not feeling like, like Bloom is locked in on a particular guy and he's going to go out there and get his target. I'm not even sure that that's really how Bloom operates at this point. So far we've seen bloom much more in a seller's mode than we have in a buyer's mode. So I don't really know what signs to look for to kind of recognize that. But I will just say that um because Bauer is expensive and you know he's polarizing for a lot of reasons. Sugano has been my number one want for the Red Sox to sign this year for pitching in a weak pitching market that we've talked about a bunch of times. So I really want them to do this, and I would be extremely psyched to have Sugano on the Red Sox. So I hope this happens, but I'm just not feeling very optimistic. I'm weirdly optimistic.
1: I don't have anything to base that on. I just feel like the Red Sox obviously need a good starting pitcher. Nobody's going to argue with that. They don't really have one coming up. And if anybody's gonna hit the free agent market, they're gonna cost a draft pick. And I think I think the Red Sox could look at this as an opportunity to get a really good starting pitcher without having to give up draft picks, only having to pay or prospects, only having to pay money. Sort of a rarity in today's free agent landscape. Um, So I mean that, that this could all very well be wishful thinking on my part, but that's sort of where I'm leaning on this. So what's your percentage chance? He didn't give us the number. I mean, i like 50-50, which is just the classic, I don't know. Um, okay. That's a real pros pro move is to go
0: 50-50 on something that you don't know. 50-50s versus 50% chance the Red Sox sign him versus the field though. That's pretty damn optimistic. I know. Well, I said I was. <laughs> yeah, that's it's uh, good, man. I mean, I, I mean, think I they have, like I mean, they it.
1: obviously have the money and I don't. Yep. Like, I know that the Red Sox being cheap is a thing that people have said. It's a thing that I've said. I think they were cheap with the luxury tax, but I don't think that that means they... I've never thought that that meant that they were forever not going to spend. I think they are going to spend again, and I think this is a chance to sort of make that mark. And like I said, I think not having to give up the draft pick is a very big to them.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's one of the reasons why he was such an attractive target. Um, and also, he won the Japanese version of the Cy Young Award, which is pretty damn cool award. They don't give out every year. Um, I love that about that award, that if you don't earn it, they just simply don't give it out.
1: I never knew that.
0: Yeah. You have to hit certain standards in terms of innings pitched, wins, and strikeouts, or else they just simply don't award it certain years. That's pretty...
1: I don't know if I like that or not.
0: I like it in theory,
1: but I think I would be pretty bummed out about uh, an award just not being issued. <laughs> <That
0: idea. laughs> it's pretty epic, though. It makes it have a little bit more uh, juice to it when it does get awarded, and it doesn't. It doesn't not get awarded often. Um, yeah, it's, makes it's sense. very rare.
1: It being based on wins would make Twitter insufferable, though.
0: <laughs> yeah but also Japanese pitchers do tend to pitch a lot more innings uh, over there so you get a, a little bit more likelihood they approach the game a little bit differently he
1: actually doesn't have super exorbitant inning totals' for his career. interesting I mean
0: not what's his high
1: he doesn't He throw his highest 202 uh, okay his last couple of years he's been in the mid130s uh before that
0: he was generally in like the 180 area. And I believe they go an extra day between starts.
1: Yeah, they do. And I don't know if their season was shortened this past season for COVID, um, which might have played into it.
0: I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't. He just – I don't know if he threw, like, 250 innings or something like that. I highly recommend if you are interested in him. There's a great, like, 26, 27-minute YouTube, like, mega clip of Sugano from the NPV that is – very worth watching to get a feel of what type of pitcher he is, especially if he signs. Uh, great great video to just watch and kill some time if you love uh, off-speed pitching. Yeah, it's something I definitely wouldn't watch unless he signed.
1: <laughs> yeah, fair. I got to watch New Girl for like the 8,000th time instead of watching <laughs> that. All right, so that's a, a good guy, splitter.
0: Um... What's that? I love a good splitter, though, man. I
1: who doesn't? All right, so that's Segano. Uh, see, there was also a report that the Red Sox. This is from uh, Chris Cotillo of Mass Live. Uh, that the Red Sox are pursuing a deal with former Dodger Kike Hernandez. Uh, what do you? Where are
0: you on Kike Hernandez? I think it's it makes sense for the roster. Um, I'm not like the world's biggest Kike fan or anything. The best thing about him, in my opinion, is that he's a defender at multiple positions. He can kind of play all over the field. I'm just looking at his uh, where he's played over the course of his career. He's played a lot of second. He's played a little bit of short. He's played all over the outfield. He's played everywhere, um, I believe, but pitcher and catcher.
1: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at
0: chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Voidware prohibited by
1: law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, he plays a lot of those positions pretty well. Um he kind of reminds me a lot of Brock Holt in a lot of different ways. Um, I think he's probably a slightly stronger defender than Holt was. I don't think he's necessarily all that better with the all that much better with the bat, but um, yeah, he's interesting. He probably has a little bit more pop. He would fill the role that we thought Yairo Munoz was going to fill.
1: Yeah, I think he's actually a worse hitter than Brock Holt was um, overall. Has he been an all-star? I don't think so, which is, you know, well, not, not everybody can I mean, say He's that. definitely worse. Uh, the thing with Hernandez offensively is that he's really he does really well against left-handed pitching. Does not do very – I think he has – I don't have his numbers in front of me, but I believe against righties his career WRC Plus is like 82, 83, something like that. Um, so you definitely you know, would it's... want to find a way to get him to play against lefties. Um, One twenty versus lefties, eighty two versus righties. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's pretty significant. But I mean, if they if they were to say bring back Jackie Bradley Jr., all of a sudden you can against lefties, you can roll with Renfro and Hernandez in the outfield, and then. At other times, I mean, you could put Hernandez in for Devers against lefty sometimes with Devers needs a day off. You could put, and you could put Hernandez in against righties sometimes too. I mean, it's not the end of the world. Um, so, I mean, I think he would fit the mold of like the Renfro-Andreese type where it sort of depends on what the rest of the roster looks like and what role he's thrust into, but in the right situation, I think he makes a lot of sense. Um, the versatility is all obviously huge. Um Especially, again, depending on the roster size, if it's 26, that versatility means a lot more than if it's like 28 or 30 again. Um, Mm -hmm. And also, I mean, just talking to Dodgers fans, uh, Dodgers fans love Kike Hernandez uh, just about as much as Red Sox fans love Brock Holt. Um, Hernandez is just an extremely fun person. Um, His Instagram page is very funny. He's just... Seems to be a delight to root for, so that's always, it's always a nice little touch. Um, so I mean, I think, I think he makes sense as a role player. I think he would make sense because it would allow the Red Sox to not have to close the door on any second baseman or outfielder because he could do either thing. Um, I think I would probably prefer jerks and profar. If we're talking about guys who can play all over the field, but then obviously money comes into play, I think Profire will get a little bit more than Hernandez. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, it's fine. It's like the other moves, like I said with Renfro and, and Dreese. It's fine depending on the role he has to play.
0: I will say this for uh, for Kike though. This could end up being um, one of those moves that Bloom makes as much for the clubhouse, or Bloom and Cora make as much for the clubhouse as they do for. Um, for just the roster, you know, he, the, the fit in both ways. This could be one of those things where his reputation and how he carries himself is just as important as anything else. And the other thing that I'm noticing looking at his profile is just that he's been a pretty damn good base runner in a bunch of his years as well. So I think that situationally late, he could be really interesting. But that was one of the reasons that, um, I think it was Cora that cited that Ben Intendi kind of struggled uh, mentally a little bit was losing his his buddy like Brock Holt uh, throughout the year Um, and I I, you know I always wonder about how much clubhouse chemistry plays into things but I think it can't hurt to have a guy like Kike in the locker room keeping things loose
1: yeah I don't know that that should be the number one concern for the Red Sox obviously as just like a human being, I would prefer to root for good people rather than bad people. (laughs) But um, to me, I mean, I don't think, I certainly would never say that clubhouse chemistry and that sort of stuff doesn't matter, but I feel like it takes a good team to a great team And where the Red Sox right now are like an average at best team. It feels like talent
0: should be the priority over anything else. Yeah, I mean, no reason they can't do both, though. Yeah,
1: for sure. And like I said, I mean, Renfro fills some holes, um, and I don't think the gap between him and Profar is all that
0: big, anyways. No, I wouldn't say so. So I kind of, I kind of like him more after we talked about him.
1: Hernandez more than Profar. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm excited about having a guy like that again.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely the personality wise. Um, I just I think Profar is a better hitter. Plus, I mean Profar's got the relationship with uh, Bogarts going back to mm. like their childhood. So that would be cool. Uh, so while the Red Sox haven't really done too much uh, over the last less than twenty four hours, while we're recording this, uh, the Padres decided to just go buck wild. Um, so I mentioned earlier that they signed Kim. Before that, they. Just dropped an absolute bomb on the baseball world at midnight um, Sunday night into Monday morning. Trading for Blake Snell, uh, they gave up a pretty substantial package. Luis Patino, uh, Francisco Mejia, Colt Wilcox, and Blake Hunt. Um, Patino, in particular, was a guy that um, Red Sox fans might recognize that name. He was involved in some of the Mookie Betts trade rumors last winter. Um, he's the best player, going back to the Rays here, but the Rays lose their ace, give away their ace to the Padres. Um, Padres also got something else brewing that we're going to get to in a second, but let's just talk about the Snell trade real quick, um, just to general your thoughts on this deal.
0: Uh, So I think it was a good trade for both teams. I think Rays fans will be extremely disappointed, like they should be, that Blake Snell is off their baseball team. But, um, man, I remember thinking when Blake Snell got pulled from that game, like there's no way he pitches with this team next year. Uh, It felt like it was coming um, just because of that alone. And I know that it's probably a lot financially motivated as well. Uh, I love the return that Tampa Bay got for the player, but for the Padres, you just love to see a team uh, go all in to this degree. And they get three uh, years of, you know, a very cost-controlled Blake Snell here signed to a super reasonable contract to, you know, help them try to make a run at the Dodgers. And I just love to see a team in baseball not looking at the world champ Dodgers and being like, oh, man, time to rebuild. Like they're just going for the throat here. So I love it.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, Padre, uh, the Padres just absolutely rule. I'm going to fall asleep to Padres games pretty much every night this summer.
0: Um, Marcelo too, right? You get the voice.
1: Marcelo Tatis. I know Red Sox fans hate Machado. I don't really like Machado, but watching him play is extremely fun. Um, Yeah, I mean Denelson Lamet is awesome. They're they're great. They that they were able to make this trade, presumably the trade that we're going to talk about in a minute, and also the trade for Clevenger over the summer, and they still haven't given up CJ Abrams or Mackenzie Gore is just out of control. Um, As far as the race part of it, I mean, look, I don't want to go down too long of a tirade here, but um, it's it's pathetic. And I think you're right that the return was good. If we're just looking at this trade in isolation and not thinking about the teams involved, I think there's an argument to be made that the Rays won the trade. At the very least, they definitely didn't lose it. They got good value for a good player, which is what you can expect. But, I mean, it's just it's gross that a team that was two wins away from the World Series just traded their best pitcher after not picking up an option on their second best pitcher or maybe third-best pitcher, depending on Colosno. Um I mean, this is a team that should be going all-in. They should be doing what the Padres just did. They have a great farm system. They can do what the Padres did and add significant players to make them much better without touching their top, top, top elite prospects. And instead, they're just shedding payroll. It's it's disgusting.
0: Yeah, it's hard to... Um look at what they're doing and say that they deserve this ownership group deserves to have a baseball team, honestly. Um, and I think for the Red Sox, the good news is that the race should be worse from this deal. I, I think that they are the looking job, yeah. at this. Um, I, I think they are looking at this year as a little bit more of a transitional year. Um, I obviously expect them to still contend for the division, but I think they will not be done. Shedding salary. We're going to talk about another guy later on that could move for them, but um, they have a bunch of pitchers who are hurt right now. Yanni Chirinos, Tommy John, Brendan McKay, uh, shoulder surgery. Brent Honeywell still dealing with injuries. Jalen Beeks, Tommy John, like they have a lot of guys down right now. And I think that this is going to be a year for the Rays that they kind of reboot a little bit and hope that they can still win the division. But I, I think you will. Still see some churn on this roster, and it's just it is pathetic, it really. Is they were they
1: were two wins away from the World Series. I
0: don't like I said, I don't want to go too de- too long down that road.
1: Um, so a reaction that I've been a little confused by is Red Sox fans being upset that they didn't trade for Blake Snell. Um, I mean, there's no way the Red Sox could have matched that package, right? No, come on, like, unless you're giving up Devers. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think if they offered Casas and Downs both, that they could have made that trade. Um, I think that is better than the return that they got. But that would be ridiculous. I mean, that's the most valuable asset in baseball is young, controllable players. And you can make a pretty strong argument that Casas and Downs are easily both top 50 uh, prospects in the game, if not one or more of them being in the top 25. So I, I just can't see why they would do that.
1: I don't even know that that would beat that package, but I mean, I'll, I guess I, I would defer to you just on national prospect knowledge, but I mean, Patino I think is better than either the Red Sox prospects. I guess it depends on how you feel about Mejia and the fact that he's major league help that I think the Red Sox would need to send along, and I don't know that they have that equivalent.
0: Yeah, Mejia has been very bad, um, which I think hurts his value. In the fact that Patino um, is twenty, struggled in the majors, and is a pitcher um, can either help or hurt. Like I think pitchers carry more of a value, but pitching prospects also carry more risk than a guy like Downs or Casas. So I think I would I would personally value that headliner of two solid position players over the the pitching upside uh, that they got. The kid Wilcox is, like, someone that they shouldn't sleep on either. Uh, He is a first-round talent who got – he fell into the second round, but he got first-round money. Blake Hunt's getting the classic
1: post-trade scout buzz. It's always a prospect in every blockbuster deal who gets that. Who
0: who would that have been for the Red Sox in some of their big trades? Who's the Blake Hunt – of, like, I don't know. Probably Jimenez. some of the big ones, Jimenez. Yeah, he's been I getting a it's...
1: lot of buzz since. Uh, Instructs. I like it. Um. Yes, yeah, so we talked. We don't. We talked about the race. So yeah, you alluded to this. Um, Rays might not be done. Probably aren't done. Shedding salary. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer could be the next guy on the block, and obviously the Red Sox need some center field help where on your list of center fielders the Red Sox should target where's Kiermaier
0: he's after JBJ for me Um, and I'll explain why and I I think that you know this might be surprising uh, to hear that I'm that high on him but there's a pretty big gap I think between George Springer and JBJ and then I think there's a big gap between JBJ and everybody else who is available just simply through free agency uh, at this point. And Kevin Kiermeyer, just going off projections, just the two projection systems that have released for next year so far, he's projected for 1.8 war, um, which is higher than JBJ, who's projected for 1.5 war. Uh, a lot of that is on his defense. He's projected to hit less home runs but steal more bases. And he has a very reasonable for the Red Sox uh, AAV of eight point nine million. So his actual number as to what he'll be paid is going to be eleven point six this year and twelve point one in twenty twenty two. But I think that that's actually a fairly reasonable figure for the war that he is expected to produce uh, over that time period, and I think he'll give you a pretty seamless transition. Um, between JBJ and he fits that timeline perfectly two years bridge um, to Jaron Duran, which we've sort of been talking about. I think,
1: yeah. and I think I agree with you. I, I don't really think there's much debate. I think the only debate would be whether or not you want to, um, I almost said spring for George Springer. I'm not going to say that Uh, pay up (laughs) for George Springer. Um, I've said before, I wouldn't be totally against it. It wouldn't be the move that I would make, but um, I mean, I certainly wouldn't complain. But I think if you're crossing that off the list, I think Kiermaier has to be second. Um, the only way he wouldn't, for me, would be the scenario I've mentioned a million times, which is basically only existent in my head. I think, um, which would be Starling Marte becoming available. If Starling Marte mm-hmm. was out there in trade, I would rather have Marte than Kiermaier. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think Bradley's the clear number one. I think Kiermaier being projected for a higher war than Bradley is bananas. I mean, the difference is negligible, so who really cares, but it's just the defensive metrics on Bradley have just never made sense to me. These are just so insanely low. Um, I think it's the park. Yeah, it sucks. I hate it, but... um. So, I think I mean, I think Bradley's definitely better than Kiermaier, but if Bradley gets a better deal somewhere else or signs somewhere else for whatever reason, yeah, I think Kiermaier's
0: definitely the next best choice. And for what it's worth, over the last two years, they are identical in war.
1: Yeah, but again, the defensive metrics, I just
0: don't... Yeah. I think
1: they underrate Bradley to a very strange extent.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'd rather have Bradley's bat in the lineup. Yeah, yeah, I think Bradley... I mean, Kiermaier had a
1: nice... Year this year, obviously, the small sample and Bradley also in a small sample had a better year. Um, Bradley's been consistently a better hitter over the last few years. I think his ceiling is a bit higher. Bradley? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, so the other move that I was talking about with the Padres, um, as of this recording, um, Monday night, this deal is not done, but it seems like it might be done. By the time you all are hearing it, um, that would be you, Darvish going to the Padres um, right after trading for Blake Snell. We're going to trade for you, Darvish, which, again, Padres just absolutely rule. Um, We don't have to talk about the Padres again, but the other side of this is that the Cubs seem to be selling. They seem to be shedding payroll themselves. Um, Is there anybody on that Cubs roster that you look at as a guy the Red Sox should be looking at?
0: Hell yeah. Um, specifically Chris Bryant man I know that that situation there is just not a good one between player and team and um, I know Chris Bryant had a miserable season last year but Bryant in left field at Fenway Park um, would be so sick because I feel like his swing would be really geared towards doing well at Fenway and I also just think that um you know the the potential that he has to really transform that lineup uh would be massive so um i i would really like that and i actually don't think it would cost that much in a trade to get chris bryant at this point considering the relationship between the team and and what he's going to be paid and all that stuff you know his arb figure should be kind of high
1: yeah i think bryant is probably the obvious choice and a good one too for all the reasons you said. Um, something somebody that a commenter mentioned the other day that I thought was interesting was Jason Hayward, mm. and I think you would need. I mean Hayward's contract is not small. He's got a twenty-three million dollar average annual value. He's his contract runs through 2023. Um, He's rebounded the last few years. I don't think he's a negative value at all, Uh, but that contract is certainly uh, more than he would get on the open market. But I think you could, if you could get either a prospect or maybe just get Chris Bryant basically for free um, by taking on Jason Hayward, who also happens to fit in right field, maybe can form a platoon with Hunter Renfro um, there would have to be more to it. Like I said, it would have to be some sort of creative deal that I haven't really squared up yet, but I think the potential could be there. I mean, we've heard these rumors from multiple sources at this point, that the Red Sox have at least considered the idea of taking on a co- a big contract that a team wants to unload to either get prospects or maybe, like I said, somebody like Chris Bryant for basically nothing Um. I think that would be at least something I would call about and see if I could work out some sort of framework.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I love that. I think if you were going to take on a Jason Hayward, though, you'd be more um, in line to, instead of get a player like Chris Bryant back, I think you'd just, with the roster too, how that would fit, I think you'd be more likely to take Hayward and then take on One of their top two prospects, whether that would be Braylon Marquez, the pitcher, or um, Brennan Davis, the outfielder that they have. I think that would make a tremendous amount of sense for the Red Sox. But I'm not sure that they would be willing to do that even with all of the money uh, that is still, even if the Red Sox took all of it. I'm not sure that they get one of those top two guys. But with the market being how it is, it wouldn't really shock me. And especially that ownership group, like, seems a little sleazy. So a little.
1: Not... Yeah, we, we don't have to get into the nitty gritty of the Cubs <laughs> ownership group, but they are a little sleazy. Is probably the nicest uh, thing I can muster <laughs> about them. But yeah, I mean, I think well, you I've... might you're probably right about the prospects not being able to get um, that sort of top flight guy. But I mean, that's it's one of those situations where it, it certainly doesn't hurt to make a phone call and ask about it. I mean, you wouldn't feel bad about fleecing that group. No, <laughs> I think not that. one bit. I think you'd feel good about it. Yeah. All right, let's let's uh, let's do a few listener questions before we get out of here. Uh, first one is from Damian Dyden. Dyden? I don't know. Dyden, I think. I think you're right, yeah. Uh, so Damian asks, does the 2022 lineup look good enough for the Red Sox to open up the wallet next winter and bring in some pitching? Uh, it's talking about the lineup. He's saying Devers, Bogarts down, Cossus in the infield, Benintendi and Duran on the corners in the outfield, Vasquez, Dahlbeck at DH, and a free agent center fielder. Um, he mentioned later on in a thread that he's not a big Verdugo guy, but we can throw Verdugo in there because it seems kind of weird that he wouldn't be in there. But just basically yeah. the crux of the question is, uh, can they basically ignore the lineup and just focus all on pitching? And I think we kind of talked about this last week, right?
0: Yeah, I think we nailed that. I mean, it's a great pod, I think. If you want to listen to last week's pod, we talked about that in, in spades. There's just so many um pitchers available in the twenty twenty two class that they ought to be looking to spend money on. It's definitely the strength of that class. Um and the Red Sox lineup is like you've laid out here, Damien, it's the it's the strength of the team. So yeah, absolutely. I'm full in on buying pitching and rolling with the lineup. I think I'm a little less optimistic about everything working out perfectly with the
1: lineup, but I think basically I agree. Uh, next one is from Angel Rondon. Um, Angel had a screenshot from that baseball trade value website. Um, oh, okay. So uh, he just basically wants to ask his our thoughts on the trade. That he put in there, uh, he has CJ Chatham and Nathan Evaldi going to the Padres for Will Myers, Ryan Weathers, Reggie Lawson, and Justin Lang. Uh, for whatever it's worth, that website has the Red Sox getting slightly better value here, although both sides get negative value. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't really love that website, but I know people like to use it, so um, I guess it's a decent enough baseline, but uh, what do you what do you think about that deal?
0: Yeah, I would love that for the Red Sox, especially in a transitional year. Um, I don't really see Eovaldi as a part of the next great Red Sox rotation. Um, You know, in in 2022, I think that there's enough names out there that they could do better. And clearly a team like San Diego is very much in on this year, probably would use Eovaldi in a multi-inning relief role where I think he would be electric. Um, And Chatham has completely fallen out of favor with this team, so. Yeah, I think if, if that nets you a good player in Will Myers, who's overpaid, but you can afford him, and Ryan Weathers, and Reggie Lawson, um, and Justin Lang, and Weathers, I think is, is definitely the grab there, because he's a great prospect pitching arm, um, so yeah, you need those, so I, I love the deal for the Red Sox, if they were able to pull that off.
1: Yeah, I don't know I don't know nearly enough about the non-Myers pieces here to really have an opinion, Um I will say I don't. I'm, I'm lower than the consensus on Will Myers and higher on the consensus, higher than the consensus on Nate Evaldi. Um, so I don't, I don't love this deal, but again, that could change if I looked deeper into the prospects they were getting back because I really don't know anything about them.
0: You lived through 2018, Matt. I can't blame you for being
1: high on Evaldi. i, I honestly most of that is based on last year more than anything um i thought avaldi was isn't getting enough credit for being pretty outstanding for most of his starts last season
0: yeah he's a good pitcher when when he's healthy man he's yeah the health is obviously the big question and
1: i i mean like i said i i've never really been a big will myers guy i know he had a big season last year um but he's been mostly just like an average hitter before that um uh, there's something about him I can't quite put a finger on it, but I've just never bought into Will Myers.
0: Yeah, it's fair, man. He's he's not that exciting. Yeah, he's
1: he's fine. Um but I just I don't know. But like I said, those prospects might be good. I just I know the names, but that's about it. Um, Angel also asks about Art Warren. He was DFA'd by the Mariners. Another guy I know nothing about, um, I usually prepare for these questions beforehand but I had a very busy day today so I didn't (laughs) look into Art Warren at all Um, but I mean he's a pitcher that's available so I would I guess it could make sense
0: (laughs) I mean uh, I haven't looked a ton at him I haven't actually ever seen him um, pitch but just looking at his numbers in the minor leagues they are impressive and the fact that scouts gave him a 70 fastball 55 future value slider 50 curve i mean that is a player that would definitely play uh out of the bullpen um that's a really interesting piece so i mean bloom this is how he's built his bullpens when he was with tampa bay right is getting guys who are on the scrap heap who oh, gonna, can do something good you get a drive me nuts jake he didn't do anything <laughs> he didn't build the bullpens.
1: Who built the bullpens? The person in charge of the front office. He built the bullpens the same way that um, Michael O'Halloran has built the Red Sox in the last few years. He's, uh, I don't know, there's a very big pet peeve of mine. Um, wait,
0: wait, you mean Brian O'Halloran? Yeah, what did I say? Mike? I don't know what I'm thinking today. Yeah, Brian <laughs> O'Halloran is what I meant. Um, wait, so you're saying Bloom wasn't in charge of
1: baseball decisions? He wasn't the top guy in the race front office, is what I'm saying. But wasn't he recently? No, he wasn't the top guy when they. He was the number
0: two. Who was number one? The, whatever his name, Neander. Whoever's number one? Or oh, Neander, Eric Neander. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he was in on all those. Yeah, I know. But it's the same as O'Halloran. This is just a very pet, big pet peeve I have. No, um,
1: that I'm I think O'Halloran's
0: saying. more of a true like. Uh, O'Halloran doesn't even strike me as really a baseball guy. He's the assistant that...
1: gym He is absolutely a baseball guy.
0: But the way that that his role has been described in the past has been more of like a business side type dude. I don't. I thought I don't think so. Uh, huh. I think he's the okay. number two
1: in the front office. It's this is just a pet peeve that has been building up for a long time, and I'm taking it out on you. But, uh, <laughs> but Heim Bloom, I want. I will. I like what he's done for the most part so far. I giving him every opportunity to prove that he is good. He has proven nothing at this point and it's really grates me that he gets so much credit for the raises when he was just a part of their front office.
0: I mean right now I'm just getting big Charrington vibes from Bloom. So he's got to start doing some stuff or else I'm going to get really impatient and start saying mean things. Yeah, I see I I'm
1: not even there. I I don't really I I don't really mind that he hasn't done anything in the sense that nobody's really done anything except for the Padres. Um, so I t-
0: I my anger
1: on that front is more with Major League Baseball than
0: High Bloom specifically. Well, as long as you are cradling your grudges and catering to them like a garden, I think we're in good shape. I mean, look, I
1: if there's one thing I can do <laughs> in this world, it's let things bubble up and then... Have them explode in a totally inappropriate way. Alright, two more left. Uh, both from Ivan L Apex. Uh first one, with the report that the Reds wanna cut payroll, do you think they would do Moustakis and Castillo for Downs, Dalbeck, Groom, and Thad Ward?
0: Hmm. That's a hell of a package going back. Uh I would be curious to see what that is in the trade values thing. I would do that in a heartbeat. Um I feel like they might want more.
1: I think they would definitely want more. Um I guess it depends on how much they want to get rid of Mustaka's salary if they really do. I haven't seen any reports that they like are being super aggressive about wanting to cut payroll. Um but I mean I think Castillo is up there with Snell. And so I think he's better. Yeah, I mean I'm just that that's fair. Um, but I mean just looking at the package that Snell got, I don't think throwing in Mustakas is enough to downgrade to that package from the Red Sox, which I don't think is terrible, but I don't think I think it's missing the elite the sort of elite potential.
0: I think if you replace Groom with Mata there, that package looks a lot better for them.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's definitely an interesting idea. I think Castillo is a phenomenal trade uh, target. I also, I don't know, if, they, if the Reds really want to get rid of Moustakis' contract, I don't know that they're going to attach Castillo to that as a way to get rid of it. I think if they're going to trade Castillo, they would just trade Castillo and get the best prospects possible back and then worry about Mustakis at another time.
0: I would give up Downs, Dahlbeck, and uh, Ward, as well as Mata for Castillo straight up. Oh yeah, for sure. I don't think the Reds would do that though. Yeah, I don't know. it's, it's interesting. It's not like ridiculous. No, I don't. Th- I don't think it's ridiculous either. All right,
1: last one also from Ivan. Um, he says, "I think the Red Sox should take advantage of the Lindor situation, just like the Dodgers took advantage of ours last off season. Uh, we should trade for Lindor, try to resign him. Bogey can move to third or Lindor to second. Uh, what are your thoughts?"
0: I'm not, I'm not here with this one. Um, I'm not a fan of moving Bogey to third. Um, I like Devers there. I like Bogey where he is. Um, and I don't want to spend that money on Lindor. Not because I don't think Lindor is worth the money and he's not a good player. I think he's absolutely worth the money. I think he's better than Bogarts. Um, he's awesome. But I'd rather see the team devote their resources towards pitching. Um Because the lineup is good. I totally disagree. Um, I
1: think that makes sense in most cases, but I think you throw that out the window uh, for Francisco Lindor because he is uh, just quite simply one of the best players in baseball and also one of the easiest players to root for as well, which never hurts, uh, which we've talked about. Um, So, I mean, I'm just imagining... In infield with Lindor at short Bogart's at second or er, uh, third Devers at first. And I don't know, whatever Jeter downs at second or whatever you do at second base. And then you can put Tristan Casas at DH or whatever, or put Devers at DH when Tristan Casas is ready, probably more likely. Um, yeah, that just makes me feel good inside.
0: Hey man, I wouldn't hate it. But, <laughs> I don't, it, I, yeah. I'll be clear.
1: The, the chances of that are pretty much zero. Um, it's really not even worth it.
0: talking about because it's not gonna happen. But um and if watch I, it happen right as soon as like two weeks from now or something, it's gonna happen. But, hey, I wouldn't hate it, but um I would be very surprised. Same. Alright,
1: so that's gonna do it for this one. Uh please, if you liked what you heard, please subscribe on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Uh please Leave a nice review, uh, give us a good rating, tell your friends, tell your family, yell it out the window, uh, see who's walking down the street, maybe they'll listen. Uh, definitely follow us on Twitter. I run the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. Jake is at Dev Jake. Uh, you can check out all of our writing at overthemonster.com. Uh, we're going to pick up back at full steam next week after the new year. We got a little bit going on this week, but we'll be back to our regular schedule on the website. Uh, following, following the new year next week um, I think I got everything right
0: I think you nailed it alright
1: let's get out of here